used to little kids, so if I talk to you like you're stupid, I'm sorry. Um, I'm excited to be here tonight, and I really like getting to share with people um, things that the Lord has placed on my heart. And um, I actually am a little nervous, though, because I've never hung out with you guys. And I was praying and asking the Lord what he had for this week, and this recurring thought kept coming up, and I was like, I don't know about that, Lord, that's a little negative. That's not very encouraging, and then it got brought up last night at a dinner I was at again, and I was like, okay, I hear you, like, maybe. But the crazy thing to me is, uh, last night when I was asleep, I had a dream that I was talking to you guys, and it was the exact same thing. And so I'm just trusting the Lord on this one, and um, tonight I, I want to share with you guys about sin. Um, and this message is just as much for me as it might be for any of you. Um, and so I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. Father, thank you for these young people. God, thank you for their stories. God, thank you that you are the author of their stories. God, that even in the midst of a bad chapter, that you are still their God. You are still their father. You are still their friend. God, thank you for the opportunity to share from your word tonight. I pray. God, that where conviction is needed, that you would do that by your spirit, God. That where repentance is needed, that that would take place, God. I'm asking that you would pierce my word with your heart tonight, God. She would do something beautiful in our midst tonight, God. She'd bring encouragement where it's needed, that you would bring hope. Father, that you would bring understanding and wisdom. God, may we walk out of here different and better because of you and your word. In Jesus' name. So uh, we're talking about sin tonight, and that's like this ultimate negative, black, doom and gloom word, right? Like, you say the word sin, and everyone kind of shrinks up, and they're like, oh, crap. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in a church. Uh, people panic, and, and it brings about all these negative feelings, right? And nobody wants to talk about sin, but I'm telling you, I think it's the one thing that is killing us as a church, and it's killing us as a generation. So before we fully jump in, uh, the question is this, what is sin? Sin is anything that goes against the word of God, point blank. Lust, lying, stealing, impurity, greed, jealousy, unforgiveness, murder, bitterness, pride. The list goes on and on. Everyone has a particular sin that they struggle with, if not multiple. Sin is a physical expression, an outward thing of a sick heart. And I never understood that until recently. Sin is a physical expression, an outward thing of a sick heart. When we, sin, when we see sin in our lives, we need to take a look at our hearts. And a couple things about sin. Sin separates. Sin separates us from God first and foremost. Isaiah 59.2 says this. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear Ever felt distant from God? Am I the only one? Okay, I'll say a couple of hands. Uh, most of the time, we feel distant from God, and the first thing we say is, God, where are you? Not self. What sin do you have in your life that you haven't dealt with? We put the blame on God. We say, God, where are you? Habakkuk one thirteen says this, But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than them? Sin separates us not only from God, but from each other. Ephesians 5.11 says this, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, 
Instead, expose them. When I think about sin, I don't think about exposing it. Right? Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're naked because they disobeyed the will of God. They disobeyed the voice of God. And what do they do? They hide. There's no exposure, right? They hide. It says expose the deeds of darkness. There's a split that occurs within the fellowship amongst each other when there's sin. You ever see a buddy stop coming to church? Or you ever stop hanging out with your crew, right? I'm not saying it's always sin, but naturally there's a split that occurs because sin separates us from each other. And sin also separates us from the church. Hebrews 10.25 says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Who has ever woken up on a Sunday and said, Oh, wretched sinner that I am, I cannot wait to go to the house of God. I personally have never said that, right? If I have a bad week and I'm dealing with sin and I haven't confessed it and I haven't repented, when Sunday morning rolls around, it's, oh, you know, I'm going to miss this week. No big deal. Control the Jesus of the crib, right? And, and slowly but surely, that's how it goes because sin separates us not only from God, not only from each other, but from the church. And even God said, don't neglect going. It's important. But our sin causes us to stray away from the fold. Sin devastates. Sin devastates families. Look at the Israelites. The Israelites were God's people. And God said, look, I've got a promised land for you. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's going to be good. And I just need you to listen to me. And the Israelites, stubborn people that they were, chose to do their own thing. Their sin devastated their families. For 40 years, they walked in the same circle around the same mountain, never making it to their promised land. At least not for a long time. Sin devastates dreams. Young people have dreams of going and doing great things. Next thing you know, there's a baby in the picture. There's a whatever. There's an addiction. There's a, there's a hang-up of some sort. I'm not saying it's not possible to live your dream if you have a child out of wedlock, but I'm just saying your sin interrupts your dreams. It devastates your dreams. Sin devastates churches. Has anyone ever known someone in leadership at a church who had a major falling out of some sin? I, I personally have had two worship pastors, not in Texas, okay? Let me clarify. Not in Texas. Two worship pastors who got caught up in sin, had an affair, and it's, it's done. It's just done. Their lives have been devastated because of their sin. Not only does sin separate, sin devastates, but sin creates. Sin creates chaos. Jonah, God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to these people, and I want you to tell them about me. Jonah's like, wait a minute. I'm not so sure I'm signing up for that package. No, thank you, sir. I'm actually going to take a cruise. So Jonah hops on a boat, and he doesn't just ignore God. He doesn't just kind of tiptoe around it. He just flat out, like, here's Nineveh, where God wants Jonah to go tell the people about him. And Jonah's like, nope, going on a cruise, completely the opposite direction. And the people that day, you remember? There was a storm on the boat. And the guys started panicking. They're like, man, what is going on? There's a storm. Our boat's going to sink. And they start throwing cargo over the boat. And Jonah finally confesses, wait a minute, it's me. God's trying to get my attention. 
See, the thing is, is, is those people, those men on that boat that day weren't in a storm because the humidity level was just right and the clouds were, were placed just right and the meteorologist on the TV, whatever, they didn't have TV in Bible time, you get the picture. They weren't in a storm because the meteorologist said that there was a 70% chance of rain. They were in a storm because of one man's sin. They were in a storm because of one Man's disobedience. Sin creates chaos. Psalm 714 says this. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Sin creates trouble. It creates stress. It creates disunity. Sin always brings death. It never brings life. It never fulfills the ultimate desire of our hearts. It never gives what it promises. It's like a mirage. It looks good from the outside, but once you step into it, it destroys and it devastates and it separates. So here's the question. We know what sin is. We know what it does. What do we do with it, right? Because even Romans 3.23 says, For for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are always going to deal with sin. We're always going to struggle with our flesh. We're always going to struggle with temptation. But I think there's some key things that we can do that will really help us. Number one is this. We spend more time working to sin rather than to kill sin. Anyone with me on that one? We spend more time working to actually sin, to participate in sin, rather to to kill sin. Has anyone ever worked really hard to sin? I'll raise both my hands, okay? You've worked really hard to sin. I mean, you have deliberately gone out of your way. Like, I mean, here's temptation. You're not just walking the line. You're like, okay, we in, right? You turn off your phone. You ain't trying to mess with no one. You turn on maybe Casey and turn off the Christian music. Because I'm telling you, there ain't nothing that ruins a simple moment more than some Jesus music. I'm saying we work really hard to sin and the Bible talks of a way out but how many times do we ignore the way out done it a lot 1 Corinthians 10 13 says this no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted Here's the gut puncher. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's like an open door. And I get caught up in my moment, and I'm like, oh, snap, it's caving in. There's no way out. I'm doomed. I might as well just cave. I've worked really hard to sin. I've worked really hard to turn my head from the open door and the way out that God has given me. How do we kill sin? We call it what it is. I see a trend in the young generation. I'm kind of old getting there. And there's a trend amongst the younger generation to soften the blow, to beat around the bush, to not really call something what it is. We want to talk about gray areas, and we want to have conversations on Facebook about why it's okay to drink, or why God is okay with cigarettes, or why it's okay to listen to Kixie, or why fill in the blank with whatever hot current current situation we've got going on. I mean, we got bathroom stuff going on. We got government stuff going on. And, and as a church, instead of binding together and being unified and, and going after the sin 
that's separating us, we're going after little petty things. You know what I'm saying? We're going after things that don't matter. And, and there's, no, there's no one calling anything black and anything white. Everything is gray these days. Well, it's okay for you, but it's, it, it's not okay for me. Or it's not okay for you, but it's okay for me. And as soon as anyone says anything to us, peacock feathers flare, total offense, walls up. No, thank you, I'm good. Jesus loves me. We got to call it what it is. We justify things all the time. Sin is sin. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no softening the blow. Sin is sin. What's wrong is wrong. And if we can't be honest with ourselves, we will never allow others to be honest with us. This younger generation growing up, I work with kids and youth all the time. It's entitlement. Tell me how good I am. Tell me how awesome I am. It's the selfie generation. Jesus' gospel says it should be death to selfie because I'm giving you a new life, but the current generation is all about me, and it's entitlement. Hey, what do I get for showing up at church today? Hey, what do I get for doing the right thing? See, that in and of itself is just as wrong as doing the wrong thing. We've got to be honest with ourselves. How to kill sin. Call it what it is and examine our hearts. Sin is an outward expression of what's going on inside. Tempted with lust? Why? Begin to examine. I promise it's not just because your significant other is that hot. I promise. It's something going on with your heart. There's a sick part of your heart that, that you have to deal with. You have to get the root of the issue. It's like pulling weeds. I grew up pulling weeds. I'm the youngest of seven children. My mom was a fanatic about her flowers and weeds in the driveway. Oh, my gosh. As a kid, our driveway was 10 miles long. As an adult, okay, it's a hop, skip, jump long, whatever. But as a, as a kid, the driveway was never ending, and we had to go pull weeds. And not just at the house. We had to go pull weeds at the church on Tuesday nights. And, boy, I had to pull that weed right. You don't just grab a weed from the top and pull it. All that does is temporarily mask it. You get to the root of the weed. You get down as close as you can, and you twist, and you pull the root up. And oftentimes when we deal with sin, I don't know about you guys, but, man, I get tired of repenting about the same stuff. Y'all ever get tired of that? I mean, you can only say the same repentant prayer so many times. You know what I'm saying? It is like, hey, God, here I am again, and you already know, and... Man, I don't really know how to say I'm sorry. Because at this point, it doesn't even feel real. You know, we got to get to the root of these things. The sin in our lives, you got to get to the root. Whatever it is. Addiction, lust, jealousy, all of it is a physical expression of what's going on on the inside. Throw on the e-brake and stop in the middle of your sin. Totally ruins the moment I get up. I'm there with you. But stop. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you about to do what you are about to do? If I'm honest, in my times, because of something going on in my heart, I feel hurt, I feel rejected, I feel alone, I feel stressed out, and somehow I think smoking a cigarette is going to take care of it. Well, third, Tara, it's not. Been there, done that. But we have to get to the root of the issue I have, a lot of times we exchange the truth of God. This is a run-on sentence. Forgive me. Here we go. Follow me. We exchange the truth of God for a lie 
of the enemy. And we work really hard to find an answer to combat that lie resulting in sin. Let me give you an example. The lie is this. You're worthless. God's word says you're chosen. You're loved. God knows you. God sees you. God loves you. He counts the hairs on your head. He's got your name spelled correctly on the palm of his hand. But the lie is you're worthless. Nobody loves you. So you can receive what God's word said is true. Or we can be like, oh man. I'm worthless. Everyone hates me. So then as soon as someone from the opposite sex shows any amount of attention, we're all in. Right? We're all in. And, and, and it becomes like bait on the hook, and then it becomes an unhealthy relationship. And then next thing you know, one thing leads to the next, and, and we're caught in sin. We've worked really hard to sin. And, and when we look for our own answer to a lie, Outside of God's word, it always results in sin. Always. But isn't it amazing how dumb we can act sometimes? I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I, I totally believe this line. I'm like, i got to find an answer. i got to find an answer. This can't be true. And I'll spend all of my time and all of my energy looking for the answer in the world. And it always results in sin. Always results in sin. God has given us everything that we need. We just choose to disregard it. Isn't it crazy how easy it is to scroll on Facebook for 20, 30, 40 minutes, watching the same stupid cat trick video, but we can't pick up the word of God? I'm talking to myself. Isn't it funny how it's so easy to just listen to Kixie because it's got a great beat? Who cares what the word says? But... Next thing you know, one, one decision, one thing after the other, it, it's a trail. And, and it becomes like a snowball. One little thing, one compromise, one half truth, one half lie, it snowballs. And next thing you know, you're in deeper than what you want to be. I remember going to a Bible college. I went to college in Lincoln, Illinois. And I accepted Jesus into my life when I was eight years old. At 11, I told him I'd serve, I'd give him my life to do ministry. I thought that would mean being a missionary in Africa and wearing really ugly skirts and eating really gross food. Uh, but it turns out that means me being in San Angelo for a short time. And I went to Bible college to learn about Jesus because I was going to change the world. I was going to tell the whole world about Jesus. Nothing was going to stop me. And it started with one compromise. It started with one cigarette. One friend. Nearly ten years later, I'm high every day. I'm drunk almost every day. I'm living in my car. I'm failing college. And I am so far gone and removed from this God I once knew and loved. My life was out of control. Part of my brain was fried. I don't remember things. I am actually at a Bible College, the irony. I'm studying about God and I have no idea who He is. I never said that I was going to be a drunk. I never said I was going to be an addict. I never said I was going to do drugs. What I did say was, okay, I'll smoke one cigarette. And I ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. I praise God for His redemption. That's in the past. You know what I'm saying? That's a bad chapter, and even in the midst of the bad chapter, God was still pursuing me, and God was still loving me, and God was still calling me to greater things. God never gave up on me, and he never gives up on us, but I'm telling you from personal experience, it starts with one compromise. 
people that get locked up for murder, they never woke up and said, you know, I think it would be a great day to go kill someone. You know? I, I mean, people that are addicts or, or that are addicted to pornography, nobody ever wakes up and says, I'm going to find looking at pictures of children as desirable. No one ever says that. Can we just be real about that? But it starts with a compromise. We start looking at things that we have no business looking at. We listen to things. We watch movies. We allow Facebook and social media and trends and hashtags and modern society to tell us how to live our lives. And then we wake up one day completely opposite of who we ever wanted to be. And we wonder how we got there. It's a little compromise. So here's what we do with it. It's not all doom and gloom. We wage war. I mean, all-out wage war. I'm not talking nerf gun battle. I'm not talking, you know what, I'm going to conquer this thing. No, we wage war. Because the reality is, as much as there's a God who loves us and who calls us to greatness and who calls us by name and who knits babies together in a womb, and the Bible says in Psalms that when God breathes, he puts the stars into the night sky and he calls each star by name. I mean, God's pretty busy. And he happens to be really good at what he does. As much as that is real and that is true, there is an enemy who hates your guts and he doesn't wear skinny jeans and he doesn't wear red tights and he doesn't have a pitchfork and he's not just trying to make you have a bad day. Sometimes I think that's how at least I live my life. The verse that says, be careful about the devil for he goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Sometimes I live my life as if that verse said, to be careful, enemy wants you to get stressed out today. Be careful, enemy wants you to trip up. No, he's trying to devour you. He hates your guts. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. And he knows the end of the story. He knows the real deal about God and God's word and how powerful it is and how effective it is. The devil knows how powerful it is when a body gathers together in unity and worships God. And he will do everything he can to disrupt that. He'll keep you up till Sunday morning at 3.30 in the morning watching stupid cat videos if it means that you're going to miss church. Because that's a direct opposition of what God said. God said, don't, don't neglect getting together and worshiping me. He'll have you making little compromises, whispering in your ear, it's okay. How many times have we said this? Well, at least I'm not murdering someone, right? Well, guess what? If you told a lie today... That's just as bad as murder in God's eyes. It's all the same. It's sin. It's ugly. And the reality is, is that Jesus paid too high of a price for too high of a price for us to keep playing around with our sin. There are lives that hang in the balance. ISIS. They are literally killing people, cutting their heads off. Because people profess the name of Jesus, and we want to sit in America. And justify and talk about gray issues and why this is okay or that's not okay. We've been playing battle with our sin instead of waging war. Indifferent to sin, you'll be overcome with sin. It's what the word says in Genesis 4-7. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Exclamation point. I'm a word nerd. I like reading. When there's an exclamation point, pay attention. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must, not you should, 
Not, it'd be a good idea to. Not, you might consider this. It says you must subdue it and be its master. Colossians 3, 5-11 says this. Put to death, therefore, which to my understanding, that's one of the very few times in Scripture where it says put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexually immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Ouch. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Past tense verbs, eating, life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. How do we kill sin? We wage war. We call it what it is. Sometimes, well, all the time. The Bible says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know if you've ever had a, a bad day and you just feel down on yourself. Like you can't do nothing right, you know. The Apostle Paul said, man, I always do what I don't want to do and I never do what I want to do. Ever had one of those days? Sometimes, you got to speak by faith what's not true until it is true. You gotta speak these scriptures over yourself in the midst of your sin when you're repenting. When when you just feel convicted to stop whatever you're doing, you gotta get out your word and start reading these. I like to read them out loud. Confess your sin. James 5:16 says this: therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confession. You ever confessed your sin to someone? It's real awkward. Real uncomfortable. Like real, I'm going to pull my blanket over my head while I tell you this, and I need you to not look at me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's in the Word, so why don't we do it? Confess your sin. Accountability. Everyone hates that word, right? Accountability. Everyone's like, oh, I'm out. No thanks. I hold myself accountable. I don't answer to no one but God. You can't tell me nothing. You know? We hear it all the time. Accountability. Same gender and accountability. Listen, boyfriends and girlfriends don't need to be holding each other accountable. If you struggle with drinking and your buddy struggles with drinking, y'all do not need to hold each other accountable. What are you going to do? Hey, I'm holding you accountable. You better be there tonight for beer time. Right? Accountability. Who is in your life sharpening you? Who's asking the hard questions? Who's checking in on you? Who are you being real with? And if someone's asking you the hard questions and you're not being honest, then that's on you. That's not on them. Everyone needs to have an accountability partner. At least one. I think multiple. Everyone needs to have someone in their life that's asking the hard questions. <coughs> Proverbs 26.11 says this. As a dog... Ooh, I got a dog. He's barked recently. As a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool repeats his foolishness. As a dog returns to its vomit, sorry for the post-pizza scripture verse. So a fool repeats his foolishness. Sin is attractive. It's appetizing. It's fun. But it never satisfies. It destroys. 
It's disillusionment. It, it shatters. It devastates. It separates. I don't know about you, but I have struggled with my sin. But I haven't struggled to the point of waging war, being accountable. But, but I'm kind of tired of living that way. I'm kind of tired of trying to justify why something's okay. And I don't know about you, but when I think about sin, I, I can think about the fun of it, or I can think about the justification of it. Oh, it's okay, Tara. It ain't that bad. You're doing better than where you were 10 years ago. But then I read that verse. Like a dog that returns to his own vomit is the fool who repeats his folly. I'm tired of being a dog that returns to vomit. You know what I'm saying? ISIS is literally cutting heads off of people. Murdering children. And we're just returning to piles of vomit. I know it feels heavy and I know it feels negative. I'm just trying to be obedient to what the Lord said. But I think it's time for us, myself included, to wage some serious war. I think we've been fighting the wrong things. We've been fighting each other, you know? Like, man... People know what's wrong with them. They don't need you to point it out. People know that their outfit don't match. You don't need to make fun of them about that. People know that their hair looks stupid. You don't need to clown about that. People know that they don't have much to bring to the table when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because sometimes we see other people and we see their gifts and we're like, oh man, I wish I could be that. You know? We gotta build each other up. We gotta love each other. We gotta see past. The difference is we've got to see past the failures and the shortcomings. We've got to wage war, and we have to fight for each other. We have to fight for each other. As quick as you are to hold someone accountable, as quick as you are to point out the faults in someone, you should be that quick to love them and serve them. You are not better than anyone. You're not worse than anyone. We're all in this together. We all sin. We all fall short. But it's time to wage war. I think we're getting closer to the end time. And there are lives that hang in the balance. There's lots of people right here in San Angelo who don't know Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, it doesn't really matter to me. It's not worth it to me. It has to be. If not for the sake of yourself and your own heart and your own soul, for the ones around you. Sin hurts. Your sin, your disobedience could be causing a storm for someone else on the boat, just like Jonah. And I believe that God is calling us to rise up and to stand together and to wage war. You don't have to fight someone else's sin. You've got to fight your own. But you can't do it alone. The enemy goes after those who stand alone. That's why it's so important to be together, to be in fellowship, to be here in person, to be here on Sunday mornings. That's why it's important to be honest and say, you know what? I am struggling. I'm having a hard time with this. And loving each other through that, praying each other through that. I'll close with this. There's a verse in the Bible. I don't know where it's at. I'm sorry. It's not in my notes. I'm terrible with references. But it says, who are you to pick out the speck in your brother's eye when you yourself have a log in your own eye? I think we've been a bunch of speck pickerouders in the church. It's time we start hauling off some logs. Get your own tail right. Then you stand alongside your brother. Men, 
and you brothers to each other. Ladies, you be sisters to each other. And you stand together. God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for the incredible price that you paid. God, that you see us past our sin. God, that when you look at me, you don't see a wretched sinner. You see your daughter. You see a friend. God, that when you look at these brothers and sisters, you don't see brokenness and failure. You don't see rejection and hang-ups and habits and addictions. You see friends. You see world changers. You see history rewriters. God, forgive us. Forgive me for the times when I've played with my sin instead of waging war. Forgive me for the times that I've dismissed the incredible price and pain that you paid on the cross for the sake of my comfort and my convenience. God, forgive me for the times when I would rather be comfortable in a comfortable chair at church on a Sunday morning and grumbling about a song that's out of key or a sermon that's boring when there are literally thousands who are losing their very heads because they love you. God, forgive me for the times that I've caused shipwrecks in others' lives because of my disobedience. God, would you come in and cleanse us? Would you purify us from the inside out? And just as David in the Psalms wrote, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Give me clean hands and a pure heart. Let me not lift my eyes to another. God, for those in this room who have idols in their lives, idols of self, God, idols of their own possessions, their own success, their own skills and gifts, their own trophy boyfriend and trophy girlfriend, their own bank accounts, their own academic success, God, shatter those. Let you, Jesus, be their only God. Clean up house, begin in me, God. Clean up shop and mind, life. Uproot every evil, wicked way in this place, God. May we be a people who are pure, who stand together, who fight together. May we be a people, a generation, who pursue holiness above fame, who pursue your word above Facebook, who pursue the things of you and the things of your heart above our own desires. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. God, I thank you that the old has gone and the new has come. God, may we honor you with our lives in every way. Give us courage to be vulnerable. Give us courage to be real and to confess. God, I pray that confession would be a regular thing in this group. God, God that you would just do that. And God, that you would bring about a great healing. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.